The recording that you're about to listen to is a talk from the City Bible Forum. We would appreciate you respecting our copyright by not making copies of this talk or altering the content in any way. We hope that you find the material beneficial. If you would like more information on the City Bible Forum, you can visit us on the web at citybibleforum.org. So will you please join me as we read from Psalm 91, verses 1 to 6. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely He will save you from the foulest snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with His feathers, and under His wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. Thanks, David. Um, there's a reason for doing that. It's, it's one that was very important for me uh, a number of years ago when I was severely ill and near to the point of death. And it reminded me, I was reminded of that recently with, um, I guess the kind of panic that, that is going on in many people's lives with all the stuff that's happening. We're not able to meet today uh, in either Scots or St. Andrew's Church because of fear of this plague. So what is this song? What is this Psalm about? Well, most scholars reckon it was written at a time when David was faced with the plague. He was faced with three difficult choices in terms of an affliction that would come upon his people. And the one that he, he chose, if you like, was the plague. And 70,000 of his people, of the Israelites, died in uh, three days. And it's reckoned that he wrote this song uh, at that time or just after that time. I mean, it's very, very difficult, isn't it, when we look at what's happening in our country and what's happening in the culture today. It's very difficult for lots of reasons. Uh, you know, you've got difficult choices to make. Imagine you're a doctor in Italy just now and you're in a hospital that's absolutely full and you can only choose, you know, a couple of people to go uh, into an incubator or whatever. Do you say people who are elderly? No, they can't. What do you do? I mean, and, and think of our governments at the moment. Uh, we, I think, I think most people would say, oh no, you need to shut down the economy and, uh, and so on. And we need to all stay at home. And we understand that. And I think we approve of that, but it's not a simple choice, is it? Because when people lose their jobs, they suffer. And you may say that doesn't affect their health. Well, I think it does. When people are confined to their homes, they suffer. So I think that this song is particularly appropriate at this time. Now, here's one of the mistakes that gets made with this song. A lot of Christians make a mistake with this song, and that is they think that it's a song that is guaranteeing them almost like a vaccine against um, coronavirus. I've noticed in uh, the United Kingdom, they've just ordered three and a half million testing kits, not for coronavirus, but for testing if people have the antibodies. And can you imagine going and getting that test? And my daughter, who's a coronavirus nurse in London, will be one of the first to get the test. And you, it's found that you have the natural antibodies to that, that you cannot get it, in other words, 
what a relief and you can go out and work and you can um you can't transmit it either so uh, you know if you knew that i think what a tremendous relief you would have and some people take this psalm and they say this is god promising us that we will never get sick now we know that that's a misunderstanding why because this is a psalm that the devil used to tempt jesus no, he won't let you suffer. He won't let you fall. He won't let your foot be dashed against a stone. Doesn't it say that in the Bible? And just because something's said in the Bible doesn't make it true. Now, let me back off from that a little bit. It's not just because I think everything said in the Bible is true, but people can quote the Bible and they can misuse it and they can misapply it. So I look at this and I think, Okay, what does it actually mean? It is absolutely clear that it does not mean that, for example, no Christian will ever get sick or will ever get the, the coronavirus, the plague that destroys at midday. I think what the psalm is saying, it goes on to talk about, if you say the Lord is my refuge and you make the most high your dwelling, no harm will overtake you, no disaster will come near you because he will command his angels to lift you up You'll tread on the lion, on the cobra. You'll trample the great lion and the serpent. Now, if you took that and said, do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go to the zoo if I'm allowed into it. And I'm going to go into the lion's den. And I'm going to claim the promise of this psalm. You'd be very, very foolish. It's like if I said, do you know that big cruise ship that's just come into Sydney? I'm just going to go on there and I don't care because I'm immune from getting any kind of illness. That is not what this song is saying. This is what it's saying. It's saying, because he loves me, says the Lord, I will protect him. Because he loves me, I will rescue him. And he also goes on to say, when, you, when he calls on me, I will answer him. I'll be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. Now, I think what that is saying to us is a very simple and very straightforward thing. It's saying that no matter what happens to us, as God's people, we are protected. We are underneath the everlasting arms. There's, there's nothing that can ultimately harm us. Now, let me take you back to my own personal experience, um, Psalm 91. In 2011, I was... I collapsed and ended up being in hospital in a coma. I was in hospital for about 11 weeks. Much of that time, I was in and out of a coma. I was in a great deal of pain. And I do remember what's called here the terrors of the night. I found it very difficult to go to sleep. Uh, I found so many different things that were really just very, very, very awkward and hard. It was a hard, hard time. And... The hospital staff found, um, thanks to my family, that the only way I would get to sleep was they took a version of this song from an Australian band actually called The Sons of Korah, and it was played at my bedside at night. Well, for me, night and day didn't matter. It was, I, I was as I said, I was in and out of a coma. But whenever I was wanted to go to sleep, um, they played that, and it really helped me. Now, what was it saying? I never thought... And I still don't think it was saying you won't get sick, nor did I regard it as a promise that I would get better. But I regarded it as a promise that God would be with me, whatever. 
and I took it together with another Psalm, Psalm 139, which simply states that all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. And you know, that's the assurance and the faith that the Christian has. I've been reading a fascinating essay by C.S. Lewis, written in 1939, just as the Second World War was beginning. And he was talking about the fear that overcomes people uh, when you're faced with such a major event like war. And, and this is a major event like war. This is a war of a disease. And he says, you know, how easy it is to be overcome by fear. Now, when you're a Christian, it's not that you don't have any fear. It's that it's set in a wider context. And for me, with, with, with my illness, I came to the realization, first of all, I didn't know how ill I was. It was only when I was getting better that I realized how ill I had been. But I also came to realize how weak and frail life is, and yet how God is in control of absolutely everything. I think a lot of people in our culture and society are very afraid. Why are they afraid? Why do we see that? I think, you know, when you're panicking about toilet roll, that's a sign that something's not quite right. And I, I do see um, in people's faces fear. And this Sam is saying, you don't need to have that fear because whatever happens, God will look after and protect his people. It doesn't mean that we're gonna live on this earth forever. It doesn't mean we're never gonna have any problems, but it does mean that we will, as the, end, the Sam ends, we will be shown his salvation. Let me tell you, uh, to me, one of the best examples of faith that I have ever seen as regards that. And that was when I got out of hospital, someone showed me a Facebook uh, post that my son had written. And it said this, I've just been to see my dad with my sister for probably the last time. We're praying that my dad would get better, but our prayers have already been answered because my dad's greatest problem has already been dealt with, his sin. I mean, I imagine if you're a non-Christian here reading that, you're thinking, what did this guy do? You know, what is so dreadful, worse than this? Um, and then he then went on to say, do you know, if my dad is healed, that is an answer to prayer. But if my dad dies, that's also an answer to prayer. Now, to me, that's an incredible example of faith, not because it's fatalistic. It's not going, oh, well, whatever's going to be will be. But it's simply saying we trust God in whatever circumstances to bring whatever is good. Now, myself and my colleague in third space, Steve McAlpine, we were talking about this and um, we were talking about the panic. And we have on the third space website, you can go to this and you can see this. We have a house which people can go into different rooms and discuss different things. And we've decided to add a room to that house. We're calling it the panic room. Um, I, I suspect most of you don't have a panic room if you've seen uh, these kind of horror movies or these dystopian movies. It's a, it's a room where you go, where you lock down the house. And we've been hearing about lockdowns and so on. And we set up this panic room because we want people to go into it um, and to help them deal with their panic and to deal with their fears. For me, this Sam was my go-to panic room. I, 
I, I still can't listen to it. I still can't read it without feeling um, profoundly moved. You say the Lord is my refuge. You make the most high your dwelling. David, who wrote the psalm, was in the midst of a plague which killed 70,000 people in three days. Here in Australia, we've had seven, actually today, eight people who've died from this illness and probably a whole lot more to come, 18,000 in the world. But there is no need for us to panic. In fact, panic may just make things a lot worse. And so my, my challenge here to people, my challenge to each one of us, my challenge to those of us who are Christians is to, to ask how we're reacting to what's going on and who our faith is in and what circumstances we're looking at. And my challenge to those of you who are not Christians is to say, where is your refuge? What's your refuge in? Is it, is it in, you know, if it was in the pub, that's over. If it was in the pokey, that's over. If it was in the stock market, that's over. If it's in, you know, what is it in? Is, if it's in, you think that you have the ability to overcome every illness, or if it's in the government, basically, where's your faith, I'm asking. And I would say the best place to faith, place your faith is in God. Best place, person to place your faith in is in, in Jesus Christ. And then you really do not need to fear the terror of the night, and you do not need to fear the pestilence that storks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. I just love the whole image which began the psalm, and I'm going to finish here, that idea of dwelling in the shelter of the Most High, resting in the shadow of the Almighty. I don't know if you've ever been in a real incredible storm. Um, we experienced a lot of them in the Scottish Highlands and I remember one time just a howling gale and pouring rain. It was just wild, wild, wild. And there are these buildings in the middle of the mountains that we call bothies. They're just stone things. And to get into the bothy, it was a horrible feeling being in the storm thinking you're going to be swept away. It was a wonderful feeling being in the bothy, being in this, in this stone building with a fire and hearing, you could hear the storm all around. It was nonetheless real, but you knew you were secure and you knew you were safe. And I guess that's what this Psalm is telling us. Not that we won't have storms, but that we have a place of security, a place of comfort. So I ask you just simply, where is your place of security? Who is your trust in? Where is your place of comfort? Yeah, you mentioned, uh, you know, if, if God is your refuge, what, uh, what does it mean if I'm still fearing when God is my refuge? Is that a sin? Or, yeah, can, can you ex elaborate a little bit more? What if I'm still fearing? Well, um, it does depend the level, if you like, the level of fear. If you have an absolute fear so that you, I mean, I, when I came out of hospital, I had these things called panic attacks at times. And that's a level of fear that's very, very, very intense. And sometimes there's very little you can do about that. But I do think we have to look at ourselves and say, well, wait a minute, if God is my refuge, what difference does that make? The irony is that it's a bit like worrying. People um, worry about worrying. You say to someone, don't worry, and then they worry that they worry. Uh, I, I think if you're seeing God as your refuge and you, you do not just fear the bigger stuff. Now, it's interesting. I was with a friend this morning and we were looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 1. We were appropriately socially distanced. Um, uh, but... Uh, it's interesting in 2 Corinthians 1, Paul talks about 
suffering, the suffering he received. He talks about the stress he was under, but he also talks about being delivered um, from that. I think Christians are under stress. I think Christians experience fear, but in the sense of the fear of, let's say even death. So Jesus comes to deliver those who all their lives are held in slavery by their fear of death. So I do think if, if you're saying God is your refuge and you're constantly fearing, then you do really need to look at what that means. And, you know, I think probably not look at yourself because it sounds even from the question that someone's looking at themselves. I think you need to look beyond yourselves to the, the reliability of God. Um, can I just say the question about, there's one on the chat thing. Can I do that, Lachlan? Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah. There's one. If David dies is an answer to prayer, as is David lives, then what difference does prayer make? The outcome is unchanged, isn't it? Well, no, because God uses prayer as a tool. So um, I'm asking the Lord to send me food just now, uh, because once I'm done here, I'm going to go and get my lunch. And uh, I'm not sitting at my window waiting for the ravens to fly in. I will actually uh, go out and get some food. Um, I will also pray for my food to be received, but the Lord uses means and prayer is one of the means that he uses. And so second Corinthians, again, it says this, it says, Paul says on him, we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. Then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. So I think that prayer is one of the most incredible means that God uses to fulfill his will. Um, even as a Christian, how does a person avoid or minimize thinking in a negative spiral, especially around this continued outbreak? Do you know, I, I've got a very simple piece of advice. Stop listening to 24-7 news. Uh, I really mean that. It really depresses me. You know, I, I, I like the news on all the time. I like it in the car. I've stopped doing it. Last night, I sat down to it, and, and we'd normally have the news on, and I said, no, we're, we're going to ABC Classic or ABC Jazz or you know, if you're Lachlan, you can go for the heavy metal station, but <laughs> you just go for, uh, you know, don't listen to 24 seven news because there's only so many ways that they can tell you that people are dying and it just keeps going. That's one thing. And the other thing is, I think, um, you do need to get the wider picture in a spiritual context. And again, from CS Lewis's 1939 essay, he said, you know, if you've traveled in the world, then the mistakes of your own village are much more obvious and you're less likely to participate in them. And it's the same with traveling in terms of history. We can't go to the future because we don't know what it's going to be, but we can go to the past. And I've seen it. I know from my history how God has worked in plagues and stuff in the past. So I would say, go to your Bible. I would say, um, you know, prayer. I would say, try and get the wider context. Um, and I think if you keep thinking about things, um, you, you know, you, you're never going to get over it. I, I also think it's one of the problems with being, um, I would call it physically isolated, not socially, socially isolated. It's one of the advantages of being able to do what we're doing just now. It's why we continue the Bible shots is so that we can connect with and, and help and share with one another. Um, as a comment that someone made, then I'll let you come back to me, Lachlan. Someone said, prayer changes us. That's true. I think it reflects who we are. I think it, it can certainly calm us down. Um, but I do also think prayer is a means which God uses to fulfill his will. All right, back to you, Lachlan. Right, thanks, David. Um, I've got another one here. Um, have you got any thoughts on how we might know where our refuge is? 
uh, what it is that we're seeking refuge in? How, how would I know what I'm seeking my refuge in? I, I think, uh, yeah, I, I do. I think if you um, have to go to the, to the bottle every single night, that's a pretty good indication of where your refuge is. I think if you keep looking in at yourself, that's also an indication of where your refuge is and is a pretty poor refuge. I think if you're, if you're, if you're um, going online and, oh, there's this wonderful person who, you know, is just telling me all the secrets of this and I know this is going to be. I, I think many of us, one of the good things about this current crisis, is I think it's shaking a lot of people's refuges, if you like, a lot of people's confidences in themselves. And I think it's causing them to, to, to look beyond that. From a Christian perspective, is my refuge in Christ? How do I know that? Bottom line is I only know that when I've got nothing else. And I have to admit that sometimes I've been driven to that extreme over the past couple of weeks. But it's not a bad place to be. Thanks, David. Um, uh, maybe uh, there's time for a couple more. Um, there, so someone has observed um, Satan uses this psalm when he's tempting Jesus. Uh, does, does that mean we should be careful about how we use it? Yes, absolutely. That's the point. Um, the devil's very good at quoting scripture. So I, I think it's always good. It's, I, I don't think scripture is incomprehensible. I don't think you need a PhD in theology. That might even harm you. I'm, I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is you read scripture in the context of scripture. So it is abundantly clear. For example, in this psalm, you use your common sense. If, as most people think, David wrote it at a time when 70,000 of his people died, he wasn't teaching that God doesn't um would, would never afflict his people with plague i mean that that, that would that would be ultimately completely self-contradictory so i think you, you you've always got to take the bible in context i use this phrase all the time i say you know a text without a context is a pretext and what that means is you can take a text in the bible without the context you can have it as a pretext for anything that you want so yes absolutely whoever asked that question that's spot on um, uh, another one here. So if, if God being a refuge doesn't stop a plague, plague or virus, uh, what's the point of seeking our refuge in him? Because uh, uh, here's an astonishing statistic. You know, people put up the statistic. What is the death rate? Is it 0.5%? Is it 8% with the coronavirus and so on? I, I've got another statistic that every human being needs to face up to. There's a 100% death rate for human beings. And after that, we are appointed, it's appointed unto man once to die and after that to face judgment. In other words, there is an eternity that is to come. I don't think we become Christians because it gives us immunity against any kind of suffering on this earth. I think we become Christians because we follow Christ for this life and for the life to come and because he's worth following. Um, I... On the other hand, as well, there are significant studies which show that those who have a real faith tend to find that it benefits them, um, I think, obviously, psychologically and mentally as well. But I wouldn't become a Christian in order to be healthy, wealthy and wise, because all I have to do is look at a lot of Christians to realize that that's not the case. So, yeah, it's, it's, it, but it's a good question. Um, can I just make a comment? Oh, somebody um, has said prayer gives us peace, whatever the outcome. Hmm. I think prayer often gives us peace, but sometimes we wrestle in prayer. Sometimes prayer is a struggle. Sometimes prayer is really difficult. So I, would, I think I'd be cautious on stating that. I think 
we we ask God to give us peace, and that and He often does. Sometimes, or He often, in the words of Psalm twenty three, He often leads us besides the still waters. But sometimes we go through the valley of the shadow of death, and that's not often a peaceful experience. Thanks, David. Um, now we'll, we'll wrap up our formal question time there, but there's just a couple of things uh, to maybe draw people's attention to before we wrap up. Um, first thing, you mentioned something called Panic Room. Uh, would you like to tell us a little bit more about that? And I'm going to post a couple of links into the chat. Yeah, can you, if, you could, if you could post the links, that would be great. I mean, it is what, what I said. I mean, basically, Steve and I, what we're going to do is every... Uh, day weekday anyway at 11 o'clock we're gonna have a coffee break and we're inviting people to come and join us live and we're just gonna think about what's going on um it's a little bit dark humor it's a little bit um you know th there's a light side to it but there's also a very very serious side because we're wanting people to see things in the wider context uh both christians and non-christians so um i think that that Funny, that's quite funny. I was mentioning Steve McAlpine. That's him just coming on the phone. <laughs> and you'll have to wait. You guys are more important. But I think that um, there's a, a... Oops. I'll just tell him to go away. <laughs> ask him why he's not in the chat. <laughs> yeah, I will, I will ask him why he's not in the chat. Um, I. This is both for Christians and for non-Christians. And it's... We'll take a different, leave me live interaction with questions, but we'll take a different subject or a different aspect of this um, every single day. And I do find that you tend to panic less when you are open about things and you talk about things. And so that's what we're trying to do. Looking at this from a Christian perspective, it won't always be, well, here's a bunch of figures about what the death rates are or whatever. It's, we're just looking at everything in the wider context. So if you go on um, that just now, you'll see the first one that we did that kind of explains it. The recording that you have just listened to is from the City Bible Forum. For more information about City Bible Forum events in your city, or to order other talks, please visit citybibleforum.org.